Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. Terrence Malick fan, shoot me. I don't care. Um, I also we know, see Carl, Joe Gunn. After all these years, we know you love the Malick. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and, and I haven't seen Joker yet. I need to see that. Um, I, I'm a little limited in fun, so I uh, I haven't seen uh, as Same many as you guys. Yeah. Yeah, but... but uh, the main one right now is a hidden life. What about you, Nate? Which one of the big ones that you haven't seen? Uh, the one that I'm really that I really want to see is Parasite. I have not seen that yet. Yeah. But yeah, uh, but then uh, 
much like you, I also, uh, The Lighthouse and Jojo Rabbit are on my list, and uh, also Honey Boy. And what's that about? Uh, I'm not much into navel-gazing films, whoever makes them. What's it about? I don't even know the movie. I don't really know what, what I, I don't really know what what it's about either. If you uh, watch the trailer, it doesn't really tell you much. It just looks really uh, just looks really interesting. So it's the yeah, I, love story about his uh, childhood. Okay. Imagine Crispin Glover without the insanity. No, I can't do that. We both know Bruce. There's no way yeah, we could imagine gonna... Chris without the insanity. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you can't imagine Crispin Glover without the insanity. That's 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 not that's not how Crispin Glover rolls. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, you need to listen to the Bruce Glover episode. You can tell where Crispin gets it from after list after talking to Bruce Glover for two hours. We love Bruce. I absolutely yeah. adore that man. <laughs> but yeah, go with your number five first, uh, Nate. Okay. Uh, yeah, my number five was the amazing Jonathan documentary. Uh, did either one of you see that? No, but I do know who the amazing Jonathan is, and I'm a fan. I like yeah. magicians a lot. Yeah, so, so yeah. for anyone listening who doesn't know, uh, The Amazing Jonathan was a comedian and a magician, and he was kind of like our generation's Andy Kaufman, although all of us are old enough to remember when Andy Kaufman was actually still a thing, too. But uh, so, but he was kind of like an Andy Kaufman for the new generation. And uh, so, apparently, he, according to this documentary... Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he hired a documentary film crew to uh, to to follow him around while he went through his cancer treatments. And then uh, about a third of the way into the movie, he tells the documentary film crew that he's hired a second documentary film crew. And they're not allowed to be around each other. Each film crew is making a separate documentary. And then almost towards the end of the movie, he hires a third documentary film crew and tells the first two film crews that they're not allowed to be around uh, the third documentary film crew. And so the movie that actually came out ends up being uh, about um, – the, the first guy who was hired being like, this is a bunch of bullshit. He just pranked us all. He never had cancer. Well, that fits into what, well, do you remember when we had uh, uh, the guy from Last House, Mark Schaffler, on the show? Everyone yep. that I've talked to that's a comedian has said the Amazing Jonathan is a douchebag. <laughs> right? <laughs> I tell you what, he's a good magician, that, Carl? He's a you good magician. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, the uh, 
yeah, that's ultimately the takeaway from the movie is that he's kind of a douchebag, but uh, but it's a really entertaining movie to watch because the the guy who's making the documentary is just coming unraveled the whole time, but at the same time, he's just like, all right, but I know what I got myself into. This guy's a comedian, and he's a prankster, and so maybe this is all just part of the prank, but he's just questioning himself the whole time. You can just see him, like, slowly losing his mind as he's trying to make this documentary. So, I don't know. You know, I have a kind of a dark sense of humor, as you guys both know, so I thought it was I thought it was a really fun movie. And So, it, so it, I it, have a question, though. I do have a question. Yeah. Who's credited as directing this? Is it the first guy or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, the first guy gets gets the directing credit. Yeah, the, I, that's and that's why I believe he was probably right. The second two documentary filmmakers were were just fakes that that Jonathan uh, hired just to just to mess with this dude. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should you should definitely check it out though, especially if you're a fan of uh, of the amazing Jonathan. I'm uh, it's on it's on Hulu or uh, no Netflix Netflix. Yeah, and okay. uh, we're going to Carl's number five, which is if you know this director's first film, this film is going to be like a. An amazing U-turn in the middle of road traffic. Cause, damn. Okay, so, yeah, really. Uh, I went to see this. Uh, the the film is The Nightingale. It's the second film by Jennifer Kent, who gave us uh, The Babadook. Uh, and I went to see this at the Nighthawk Cinema, and and uh, unfortunately, uh, the venue was not a really good venue. I didn't like the venue. However. The movie really stuck with me. It's um, it's a period piece set in 1825 in the British penal colony of Van Diemen's Land, now the Australian state of Tasmania. The film follows a young Irish woman convict seeking revenge for a terrible act of violence committed against her family. And uh, the woman's name, who stars in it, is Aisling Franciosa, and the main bad guy is Sam Clayton, but the breakout star of this is is a Pawali uh, uh, Aborigine by the name of Bikali Ganambar. And this is a brutal fucking film. This one is nasty. And it's tough. And it's hard. And it's really, really good. Um, I was not a huge fan of the Babadook, though I must admit I thought you know, I need to keep this woman in my sights as far as the director. She did not disappoint. This is not a sophomore jinx by any means. This is a better film. Uh, but it is not horror. It's a revenge. Uh, think, I guess, Miss 45, uh, you know, as a period piece, but, you know, even more violent. That's brutal. And it's really, really good. And it's the relationship between her and the tracker, the, the Pawali uh, Aborigine, that uh, is the heart of the film. 
and it's really good. Well, do you remember watching and films? I, I said it sounded like a cross-up, and you said that I was uh, pretty much spot on. Okay, no, I don't. Tell me. Walk about in the chant of Jamie Blacksmith. Yeah, yeah, but throw in Miss 45. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I did not see it, but that's definitely yeah. Uh, it's on my uh, it's on my <laughs> list because uh, it was one of those movies that I kept reading about, you know, and everyone just kept saying, yeah, this is an amazing film but like you said obviously you you've seen it i have not but everyone was like yeah it's not for the faint-hearted it's got some brutal brutal stuff in it yeah yeah it's got some real brutal stuff and one of the problems with the venue was it was one of these you know the servers come in and serve you while the movie's going and they block the fucking screen yeah okay (laughs) which which kind of pissed me off but the film itself is absolutely fantastic yeah I've 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 watched the trailer for it, and much like I said, one of the films on uh, Stevens' uh, list. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I have uh, I have watched the trailer, and I'm intrigued. And uh, this one is definitely uh, one that I'm intrigued by as well. So well, uh, I'm you should sure not be intrigued. You should just watch it. Seriously, yeah. I, uh, anything that I've got on my list, it's it's a major recommendation. It's a really well. I trust, well, all I trust three of you. us. I trust you impeccably. <laughs> well, before I get into mine, I would like to say that these are my top documentaries of the year. Uh, five would be uh, the one, the confessing, uh, the confessing killer, which basically tells the true story of Henry Lee Lucas. And what's scary is, is if you know Henry Lee Lucas' story, he's not the bad guy of this story. It's the guy. It's who is that would scare the living shit out of you. It's how the Texas Rangers, once they know that Henry Lee is a lying piece of shit, how they do everything they do to cover that up so they can keep their cases on the books as solved. Lovely. Huh. I. I, I haven't even heard of that movie. That's that's interesting. It's on Netflix. I have Netflix. I can watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Just some of the st- and uh, number four is it came out on Netflix this week and it's called I forget it's the new Kung Fu one. And Jesus Christ, the amount of detail it goes into, from Shaw to Golden Harvest. To the Thai films, to the Michael Jai White and uh, my boy who's in uh, Undisputed films, to Nollywood freaking kung fu films. Damn. Yeah. It's like Broken Bones and Kung Fu Gods and Broken Bones, I think. It even has Billy Blanks in it, and the guy and Ron Van fucking Cleef in it. Damn! Wow. Yeah, that that sounds pretty immersive. Somebody did yeah. their research for sure. Yeah. And one of the funniest parts is Cynthia Rothrock talking about her first Hong Kong film, and she goes into 
Well, the first Hong Kong film I ever did, the first time when I said, I went, ding bong, ding bong, ding bong, ding bong, ding bong, ding bong, and the director said, you did beautiful. But I just said nonsense. It doesn't matter. It will be dubbed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, just just make some kind of gong noises with your mouth, and we'll just dub yeah. it over. Don't worry yeah. about it. And number three is uh, Al Leong, the, the Al Leong documentary, which is on Amazon Prime. Where, which is a guy, if you know, if I tell you the roles that you would know him in, you would know him. But you don't know him by his name, do you guys? Al Leon. Actually, I do know the name, but I can't place him. But I know I know he's the main around bad a lot. guy with the big Fu Manchu mustache from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Remember when oh, he said, love him. okay, guys, we're, we're free. Then he opens up. There's Al Leong standing there. <laughs> well, he has one he of the best, and he has one of the best scenes in Die Hard. He's the one that, when the cops are coming up to the building, he's the one mm-hmm. that's at the snack bar, and is so hard is distracted by the candy bars down there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did he play? Manchu in Werewolf Women of the SS? Oh, no, that was... Uh, oh, that's that Nicholas was, uh, Cage. <laughs> that's I know. definitely I'm on just... my thing, and I'm probably... And I will go see this when the Central Cinema plays it on January the fucking 24th, and that's definitely on my need to see, and that's the great Richard Stanley's comeback film, The Colorado Space. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. That looks good. Yep. And number two is a heartbreaking one, and it's the Al Adamson documentary. Mm, you know how yeah. he ends. I need to see that. Damn. I need to see that. And number one yeah. is Danger Man. And if you, with both of our number ones, you need to see this one, Nate. Yep. It's the story of Gary fucking Kent. Right. It's been on our show, by the way. We love Gary. It has, uh, and he tells about the stories that Quentin Tarantino based certain things on from a certain film that's on our list, like uh, the fix-it scene. Yeah, right? Like uh, Trump Manson was supposed to fix the doom buggies for him, but they come back the next morning and it wasn't fixed. So Gary said, I got a friend, John Bud Cardos. He's a lot meaner than me. If you don't have these fixed in an hour when he shows up, he will rip your throat out. (laughs) Manson had those two cars fixed in an hour. (laughs) But, yeah, my number five five is the same as Nate's number four, so we're going to go in this together. And... A lot of critics this year, this is the one that's pretty much most of them call their number one. Wouldn't you say, Nate, this one yeah. popped up on more number ones? And that would be Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. I love this film. But yeah, there's four I more mean, films that I love more than it, and there's... 
by, you know, it's just middle of the road for me. I loved it, and it's very fucking long. I couldn't, it would probably be lower on my list if I seen this in the fucking theater rather than on Netflix where I could watch an hour, take time off, go back, watch some more, then finish it off. Wouldn't you say, Nate? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely long, and it, it, but, you know, and it, it drags a little bit in places, but uh, I don't know. I know a lot of it, – it divides a lot of people. Some people really loved it. Other people hated it for that reason because it's kind of long and it drags on in places. But I, in my mind, you know, it's like the penultimate Scorsese film, you know. Like it combines all of the things that he's really good at. You know, it's got the fast-paced – action sequences set to the hip music but it also has the you know in my mind it's kind of a blend of uh goodfellas and the godfather you know it's it's got a, yeah. it's got the fast action sequences and it's got the long slow drawn out dialogue like i i mean uh, you know, Goodfellas is always going to be my favorite Scorsese film right up there. You know, I think his best uh, best ever films are Taxi Driver and, and, and Goodfellas. Um, but I don't know. I think this kind of feels like the penultimate Scorsese film. Like, he put every bit of his talent into one movie, and if this is his last movie, he's going out on top. Yeah, this is definitely an old man's movie. Told by old men with old men sensibilities. I don't think he could have made it when he really wanted to. He would have been too young to make this movie. Oh, yeah. No, this movie is definitely, yeah, it's definitely like a personal film. It's a, it's a reflection of how he feels about his place in society right now. You know, I mean, it's about a bunch of old gangsters who are doing old gangster stuff. And he's like, hey. Remember all those old gangster movies I made? Hey, remember my first movie? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he's kind of, in, in a lot of ways, I think he's, yeah, he's acknowledging the fact that, you know, he's aging and, uh, you know, this, this could be, how old is he now? 71, I think? He, yeah. He's in his, he's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so he's, he, you know, he's acknowledging the fact that, you know, this is this is it for me. But remember Mean Streets. Remember when I was, you know, 24 years old and starting out in this game. Like I came, I blazed in on a gangster movie, and if I'm phasing out, I'm phasing out on a gangster movie. You know. Yeah, and that de aging technology isn't as bad as people say, but it's still so new and bleeding edge that. It has that unnerving, creepy edge that the Polar Express had when it was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people complain about that, but uh, you know, when I I was watching it, it I didn't feel like it was distracting. I felt like, yeah, yeah, it's a little noticeable, but I mean, all CGI effects are noticeable nowadays, unless you're watching like a Michael Bay movie where everything is CGI. If, you know what I mean? If if you're watching a movie where it's just a little CGI here and there, yeah, it's kind of yeah. noticeable, but it's it's not distracting. It, I I I thought it looked amazing, actually. Like, yeah, you could tell obviously, but 
of, of course, before the movie was even released, they were making a big deal about the de-aging process and everything. So you already knew that it was going to be in, in The Irishman. So, uh, yeah. you know, you're kind of looking for it, too. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Now that uh, now that Netflix movies are eligible for uh, Oscars, uh, I really hope that Joe Pe- Joe Pesci wins his second Oscar because that was one of his oh, best performances. Oh, he was so good ever. in this, and so subtle. It was nice so to see yeah. him not be Joe Pesci in a movie. Exactly, it was one of his best performances ever. That's good. The to only hear, thing that. I've got a big complaint about this. Harvey Keitel is wasted in this movie. He's only in, like, two scenes, I think. Yeah, two, two scenes. Two scenes with Harvey Keitel. I know. I was like, come on, man. Like, you got you got Pacino, you got De Niro, you got Pesci, you got Keitel. And Keitel's like, uh, I'm just here for a minute, and I'll be back <laughs> in three hours for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And, of yeah. course, well, yes, uh, Pacino's playing Jimmy Hoffa, but still, there's scenes where he goes, he goes full Pacino in a couple of scenes, Carl. Okay. He doesn't go he yeah, Pacino, I, but he goes Pacino. You know, okay, so anyway, let me just interject here for a moment. Uh, I really have no interest. I I know, that's probably a bad thing for me to say. But no. uh, for me, and you know this, Stephen, for me, the Scorsese films I like are his religious films. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems to me he just remakes the same type of gangster film. And yeah, this isn't older, and I've heard good things about it, and it's not like I won't see it. But nah, I'm not that interested. I wouldn't recommend it for you, because like I said, it is too long. But there's just certain Seems they're amusing. Like Nate, did it make you laugh a little bit when uh, Pesci said, "Oh, you're going down to Louisiana to meet this fairy named Fairy"? Yeah. Oh no. It, it it's definitely it definitely uh, treads the line between you know typical Scorsese uh, drama and violence and humor. Like I laughed several times uh, through the movie. Yeah. No, there. Yeah, there's all yeah, kinds of good jokes there. You get the full there. point of that joke. Yeah. Yep. Joe Pesci yeah. played David Ferry in Oliver Stone's yep. JFK. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. That, yeah. That was good. That was a good. There. There's a bunch of funny jokes in there, and a bunch of them are in jokes that kind of uh, that have roads that go back towards. Like I said, uh, back to Scorsese's catalog. So, like I said, I, I'm I'm kind of thinking this might be his last movie. I'm thinking he might be going out no, with this. No, he's got another this. one coming up. Uh, he's doing one with uh, uh, De Niro and uh, DiCaprio. But, yeah, this really? is good, but not as good as you got to realize, Carl, that most of the Scorsese fans and critics who are putting it in number one are like you and Malik and uh, Altman. Yeah, well, all of us. 11. Yeah. 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 
I don't. I it was not the best movie of the year, and I can I can understand uh, Carl. You know, like I know Carl says he prefers the the more religious films of Scorsese anyway, and I can understand why a lot of people just weren't interested in seeing it, and I can understand why a lot of people watched it and didn't really care for it. Fantasy. You know. You know, but I did but, love the uh, last thirty minutes of it. I mean, that one scene where the this is towards the end, Carl, where the FBI comes and said, "Just tell us what we want to know." Everyone's dead but you, and that hit me like <laughs> a real slap in the face. Because usually in biopics, you don't see it go that far. Usually right. it ends when either the point they're making is told or the guy. Immediately stops running like with Goodfellas, right? Yeah, or like the end of Goodfellas, they just have the that whole uh, scene that's set to Layla, where they just show all the dead bodies, and then that's it. You know, like <laughs> oh, that was one of the funniest parts of the movie when they showed each <laughs> character, Carl. It was like told how they died. Yeah, you were oh, telling yeah. me that. Yeah, the no, 90 uh, minutes yeah. into the movie, it shows this one guy that says, died of old age in his house at 72. He was kind of lying. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they, they show, as each character is introduced, they flash at the bottom of the screen how they died. Like, not, it doesn't wait till the end. They don't show everyone die at the end. As each character is introduced, they just show you this is how they're going to die. <laughs> Which, yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty hilarious. That, that was brilliant. And now let's move on. What's your number four, Carl? Well, you know, you just talked about a movie that's three and a half hours long, right? Yeah. Right? My number four movie is 87 minutes long. And it is so good because it's like a machine. It starts and it doesn't stop. And it just keeps ratcheting up the pressure. And that would be Crawl. This is the B-movie of the year. Seriously. I went to see this in a theater. People were jumping up and down, clapping, cheering, screaming. It's just perfect. This is a perfect film. And Alexandra Aja just does a great job with this. And fuck you, it's got the great Barry Pepper as as oh, the God, father. Yeah. And and, and the, the the young girl who plays um the, the lead, Kaya Scodelario, she's really good. And she could become a new screen queen. But the basic story is you have this this daughter who's in college, uh, who goes to visit her her dad. There's a big hurricane, it's in the keys, or actually it's in um uh, not the keys. It's in um, uh, blah, 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 New Orleans, and uh, and he is stuck down below his house. She goes down. There's this hurricane with all the the water coming in, and they're surrounded by killer crocs, crocodiles, and it's just wonderful. It's and the dog doesn't die. Spoiler: the dog does not die. Nearly everybody else does other than them, but nonetheless, it's a really good, solid, well-paced, well-thought-out, well-acted 
movie, and and I just loved it. So that is my yeah, number four. That's it my or go to the theater, around. pick your brain away, and just have a good fucking time. Is it me, guys? Or if Aja was around in the '80s, he'd be a drive-in god. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, all, yeah. All all of his movies are a blast for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, this was so much fun. And, and it's, yeah. and it's not. It's, hold on, hold on. It's not tongue in cheek like uh, Piranha 3D. It's not. This is this is solid action. You care about these characters. It's not tongue in cheek. He does that very well too. But this is really well done. And uh, didn't well, Sam Raimi have something to do with it? Yeah, he produced this. He co-produced it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I thought so. I couldn't remember. I haven't. I have not seen it, but I. I remember seeing the previews, and I thought Sam Raimi had something to do with it. Yeah, executive mm-hmm. producer. Nice. Yeah. Now, what's your next Sweet. one? Uh, number three. Probably my number four. Wait. For me yeah. or Carl? Uh, for you. For no, me, I just uh, did number four, so it's your turn. Oh, well, my number four was the Irishman, so my number three is Dolomite is my name. Oh, that's in all three of our lists. That's number three on mine. And what, That's number two and on mine. The, yeah, number two on mine. We're going to just wax Raspaditas. Who would have thought that Rudy Ray Moore would have gotten a biopic of all of the black exploitation stars? He's the one who really yeah. deserved it, though, Stephen. That story oh, is yeah. a great yeah. story. As, yeah, that. Hey, as a that struggling moved. comic, how can you appreciate the stuff it shows him having to go through at the first of the film? Just trying to get noticed. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I'm a struggling comic, so uh, yeah, I kind I kind of related to it. Yeah. <laughs> of course you did. I mean, him having to sell his album through the trunk. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I can say about that uh, about that movie, though, is. Uh, I mean, come on, man. Eddie Murphy, like, coming back like that? Like, what? when was the last time he was in a good movie? Uh, Dreamgirls. Girls. Yeah. Girls. Yeah, when was that? Ten years ago? Yeah. Yeah, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's, he's limped along, and then all of a sudden he comes back. And he's in this movie, and he he blew it out of the water, man. That was great. That was a great performance. Oh, everyone is great in this movie. Oh yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It yeah, like I said, well, that's why it's on my list of best movies of the year. Like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny and but also poignant, like you said. You know, it shows that. You know, it shows. You know, Rudy Ray didn't just pop up out of nowhere. Like he worked his ass off to get what he what he got. You know, and uh, yeah, it's, like you said, can you believe that he got uh, a biopic made about him? Well, 
I mean, the fact that it even happened shows that, uh, you know, he's still relevant today, you know? Oh, he is oh, more relevant cool. today than there. Especially with certain facts that came out after his death, which the movie slightly covers but really doesn't get into. Mm-hmm. Right. This is true. But, like, but to me, everybody in that now now remind me, I don't have it in front of me. Who played Derville Martin? Oh, Wesley Snipes. Snipes was fucking great. Let's not forget that. <laughs> they did an interview with the cameraman Nate after the movie came out. He said there were stories they left out in the movie that if it was a Derville Martin movie, they would have left in. Like, there was a scene where uh, Derville Martin came to the movie, so the director movie so drunk that he was laying on the ground in a fetal position directing the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that sounds about probably how I would direct a movie, too. So I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't take him to task for that. <laughs> oh. But, uh, oh yeah that, that's the other thing too is like uh like another movie that i know is on our list uh to talk about later but uh that movie was such a great period piece uh they had i mean the sets were great and the costuming was great and yeah and just like yeah it's so it was so good to see a bunch of you know, actors that you would consider quote unquote washed up, like come back and really just play amazing roles in a movie that was really good. So, yeah, that that was a great film. Excuse me. And I loved his great. relationship with uh, Lady Reed throughout the movie. Oh, absolutely. And she was really good. The actress who played Lady Reed was fantastic, and that was a wonderful relationship. And I love the fact that they didn't hide the fact that Rudy was gay, but they didn't talk about it. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I love, I hope that this movie gets a lot of young ones to go watch his movies, the real movies, because that was my only really major gripe about the movies is uh, they mixed up a lot between... Dolomite and Human Tornado. Yeah, right. But yeah, hopefully, yeah. I mean, if you haven't if you haven't seen the Dolomite movies or or you haven't uh, you know you have, yeah you have if you haven't heard the records or you haven't seen the Human Tornado then well you really haven't lived life so yeah hopefully yeah. Some- no 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 meaty wheat straw motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah. Oh, I love that moment in the movie where they're writing the movie and he's all like, the devil. He said, we'll get back to that later. As soon as I see that, I can hear Carl go, yes, all the way down from New York. Good stuff. I had a friend of mine who was a pastor friend of mine, and he just watched it a couple weeks ago. He like called me up and like, you got to tell me about this Rudy Ray Moore. 
I have no idea. You know, you know, he's a white guy, a little younger than me, and it's like, okay, let me tell you, okay, whatever you do, look for this movie. And I said, you know, uh, Petey Wheatstraw, call me a week later. He says, you are one warped son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's probably not a good. Uh, that's probably not a good movie to be uh, recommending to your pastor. <laughs> no, 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 this guy not a problem. <laughs> Trust me on this. Well, I, uh, I, yeah. well, I mean, I know you're a religious man, so uh, you know, I guess, I guess you would, uh, you'd know better to. Uh, you know, whether or yeah. not to suggest. I, I, I listen, most pastors aren't nearly as warped as I am, but trust me, there are some. <laughs> it sort of goes with the territory. We're all, we're all a little different. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love how some of the more outrageous parts of the story were actually true. Like the end of the movie. That just seems like a cliche ending to a movie, doesn't it? Yeah, where he goes out and, and entertains the, the, the audience yeah. that's waiting for the next show. But he did that. He bragged about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing, too, about that movie, at the beginning, you see him hawking his old records. And you don't realize, you know, that he was a singer and, and, and he did record with Federal. And, with, uh, and, you, and the one... 45 they show is an actual 45 of his. Uh, the other it's thing I think you ought to know about him, him, which they don't really, yeah, that they don't mention is is he has a real connection to Cleveland, too. He's from Cleveland. So yeah. right before he died, there's a story that he went up there and revisited people and so on and so forth. So really cool character, just a great character and a great movie. Yeah, y'all need to see that one. Dolomite is my name. Yeah, that's my number two. Yeah. Well, it's my number three, and on his two, so all three of us recommend it. That's the joint recommendation from all of us, because Dolomite is his name, and making us all still laugh and joke after all these years is his motherfucking game. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah. And What's your next movie. one, Carl? Well, you know, that's a good question. So we're at, we're at my number three, and, and I saw a number of films, uh, but I guess I, I I have to throw in to a certain degree Midsummer, even though it's it was a little problematic for me, uh, but I still think it was a good movie. And it's certainly something I would follow the director of again, you know, uh, to the next film. But it's a film that is compared to The Wicker Man, and there is a bit of similarity, but it's 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 definitely different than that. But it's it's a good. I mean, it's a gorgeous film. And it's the interesting thing about it, it's a horror movie that's basically all in sunlight. But as usual with some of these films, 
the stupidity of the characters that they don't get what's going on sort of bothered me. Yeah. No, what it did you guys think of it? I know you saw it, Stephen. What? You're a real mark. That's a wrestling term for sucker. For folklore. Oh, hell yeah. I make no bones about that. None. I am a mark. I agree 100%. Well, there's a new cut of it that's uh, in England now, but it's supposed to come out here. I don't know when. uh, That's 20 minutes longer, and it adds a lot more plot back into it. But then well, again, is it like two hours as it is, man? Oh, yeah. It's two hours and 20 minutes, I think. Jeez. That's long. Well, it's no The Irishman. No, that's true. Thank God. Uh, the Irishman's not close to four hours. I did not see Midsummer, but I have read a lot of really good things about it. And like you said, I've heard it compared to, uh, yeah, to the wicker man, but, uh, I did not see it. So I, I really can't comment. It, it definitely intrigues me. Uh, it looks beautiful. Just the trailers make it look it's like gorgeous. it's a beautiful the film. The yeah. shot is gorgeous. No question. Right. Hopefully it doesn't have a scene as stupid as the El Cabong moment in uh, her in his first film. No, it does not. Have you seen his first film? What was it? Hereditary, Carl? Is that yeah. the name of mm-hmm. it? You yep, know what hereditary. I mean when I talk about the El Cabong scene, don't you? Oh yeah. Well, why yeah. don't you, why don't you tell oh, yeah. our, our our listeners? Well, there's a scene where this one character is leaning out of a car, sick, and then all of a sudden, Don't the ball, come on! <laughs> <laughs> all you needed was a bell ringing or a El Cabong sound, and it would have been <laughs> something out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That seems like something that might possibly happen. Like, like uh, you know, so many movies that use, like, the Wilhelm scream, you know? Like, yeah. maybe maybe some maybe some movies should start using the, the El Cabong sound again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and next is one that Carl hasn't seen, and he's already put out there. And for me, it is uh, my number four, and I think it's your number three. Three or two, Nate? Yeah. Uh, it's your number four. It's my number two. Yep. Yeah. When this movie was announced, I was. We were like, "Oh my God, why are they doing this?" I mean, Jesus. Why are they doing a Joker movie? It's going to be another stupid comic book movie. And plus, we were already cringing after the horrible job that Jared Leto did in Suicide Squad. Yeah. And then there was that creepy fucking trailer with uh, 
the guess who's laughing in just that makeup, and all of a sudden we're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I feel sorry for the people that went in the Joker wanting a comic book movie or a Joker movie and then getting a movie that wears its heart on its sleeve towards the taxi driver and the king of comedy. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Yeah. I mean, they don't even try to pretend that that movie the influence is. I mean, for crying out loud, there's a king of comedy poster on the wall in one scene. Yeah, I mean... Joaquin Phoenix is just damn. Yeah. I know that one and scene that I showed you, Carl, upset the holy shit out of you. I could tell by your voice. Yeah, that was tough. It's a, it's a challenging movie, and you know, like, I know this sounds stupid, but, you know, I can, I can say, it, you know, like... Uh, I suffer from anxiety and depression, but I'm also a fairly successful stand-up comic. So I can tell you that that movie hit hard for me. Like, I went to see it, and I was like, you know, I had heard good things about it, and I like Todd Phillips as a director. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go check out, the, you know, this movie. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, that, I mean, where I go so insane that I uh, start putting on clown makeup and killing people, but uh, but yeah, no that that movie hit really close to home for me. Uh, you know, I I know what scene hit the worst for you. That scene where Arthur is in the club watching the comedian, and he sees the comedian. The comedian's like, "My wife left me." I don't have any hope. I got a car. I live out of my car. I'm nearly broke. (laughs) Right? You know, and everyone else is laughing, and you just see this guy gutting himself on stage. Yeah. Well, I have two houses and 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 a day job on top of my comic career, so I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that far down. Yeah down the viral, but, but but no, but I do, no, you're, you're right. It does hit home, man. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I felt that movie in my bones. That's why it's my number two for the year, because I, I know what it's like to be depressed and anxious and, and trying to make it at something that you really, really love and just feel like doors are getting shut in your face all the time. You know, I've been doing stand up comedy for the last, five years and you know I just just now starting to get to the point where I'm getting booked on shows and getting paid for my comedy and you know it's the same thing with all of us doing our uh, you know doing these podcasts and doing our you know writing on the websites and stuff it's like you know it's a slow it's a slow burn you're pushing a rock up a hill for a long time before it actually starts to pay off you know and yeah uh, yeah. It, yeah and if if you're on the edge you know if you're on the edge if you are suffering from anxiety and depression and like 
and and things, you know, like it it won't, you know, alcohol. So many you know? beautiful little hints. Like, did you see what was playing at the adult theater that uh, author walks past? I can't remember, but I do remember catching it when I saw the saw the movie. Water power, Jamie Gillis. You want to talk about a dark, depressing? Oh yeah, yeah. Hold yeah, you yeah, and I have about- you uh Steven, you and I have talked about that movie before, like not on a podcast, but just uh yeah. in general we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, that movie is effed up. <laughs> yeah, and did Frank Zappa have anything to do with water power or was influenced by it in any way, Carl? Not that I know of, but tell me. It was based <laughs> on a true story. The story of the Illinois Anima Bandit. Anima Bandit, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And in the oldie theater was playing Ace in the Hole. You want to talk about one of the most, the darkest, most depressing, angriest film that Billy Wilder ever did? Ace in the fucking Hole. Well, there's another, one, two, three is pretty goddamn nasty, too. But, yeah. Between the two of them. You know how they say, Nate, some films are a love note to society? Ace in the Hole is a hate note. I I don't think Billy Wilder ever directed a movie that was a love note to anything. Uh, I like it hot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. No, Trouble that ending is beautiful. Page. Yeah. But that was Ben Hatch. Yeah, that's Ben Hatch. That's right. Never mind. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and that one line that uh, why can't that author says to fucking De Niro is just, all of us who are disabled, just, I, I felt that line. I was just almost screamed, yeah, in the theater, just because I know that kind of bullshit. What do you get when you have a society that takes someone who's a dangerously mentally ill person and treats them like shit? You get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that that's another aspect of that movie, too, that I think, yeah, that people haven't really focused in on, or, or, I mean, obviously a lot of critics have, but like you said at the top of the introduction that, uh, you know, a lot of people went in expecting like another Avengers movie or a Justice League movie. They weren't expecting that, but, uh, you know, that's another aspect of that movie that I don't think a lot of people really focused in on, not the general crowd, but the critics definitely got it that, yeah, it's 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 a movie about how the you know how the the how the system fails people who suffer from mental illness. I mean, that's a key aspect of the movie. Before uh, before he becomes the Joker, uh, he he loses his health insurance. He loses his uh, so he's not able to go to uh, uh, therapy anymore, and and that started. Yeah, 
you know, he starts to lose his mind because he doesn't have a therapist to talk to. He doesn't have access to to medical care, and you know that's that's a key aspect of the movie. Yeah, yeah and he's so lonely and isolated in his character that he creates his own relationship. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yeah. I've I've can't believe how many people I've had to explain the end of that movie to, to, yeah. uh, you know, just been like, no, you didn't get that whole part about the girlfriend. Like you didn't realize spoiler yeah. alert here, but you yeah. didn't realize that he never had a girlfriend, that that was all in his mind. Like you didn't get that from the yeah. movie. Like this, this, this is just a, this is just a pet peeve of mine anyway, but that's why I like oh. talking to you guys about. I, I like yeah. talking to you guys about movies because I get so friggin' irritated when I'm talking to someone about a movie and they just did not get it at all. And I'm like, why yeah. do you even go to the movie if you don't understand how movies work? Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to all of you fucking morons who created the Joker memes, or act like I felt the Joker. The Joker was me. What the fuck are you thinking, you goddamn fucking idiots? Are all of you tens of thousand people seriously emotionally disturbed people who were abused by the people that you trusted to love you, by the society that you trusted to carry you? Maybe 1% of you are, but the rest of you, shut the fuck up and sit down. And realize what the hell that you're wanting to emulate. You're just the same as that idiot crowd at the end of the movie that ends up taking Joker on their shoulders and parading him around and murdering Thomas Wayne. You're just as bad as they are. And to all you people who think Joker is anti-Trump, no. It pisses on you on the left. It pisses on the far left as much as it pisses on the far right. Wouldn't you say, Nate? Oh, yeah, for sure. No, yeah, it's it's definitely a partisan it, – it's definitely a, a bipartisan movie. Uh, yeah, it, it does not take a side. Everyone gets, everyone gets a lashing for sure. Do they miss the line where – uh, Robert De Niro's character is yelling at him. And he goes, "Oh, I'm not political. None of this is political. I'm all about anarchy." Yeah. Yeah. Well, that it goes back to exactly what I was just saying that uh, it, yeah. I get so irritated having to try to explain how movies work to people. If you can't understand movies, don't don't go to the movies. Just well, it just goes shut back up. to Taxi Driver. There's a lot of people that go around saying that, well, Robert De Niro's character is a hero at the end of the movie because he kills the pimp. No. Just because he kills the right people doesn't make him any less of a psychotic. Yeah. We should move on to the... We should move on so that Carl has a chance to talk again because he yeah. didn't see Joker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Nate. It's so nice to be appreciated. Go ahead. <laughs> so my number one movie of the year 
is about You're two people. You're on number one? Yeah, yeah, I'm at number one. You're number one, baby. Yep. Two people <laughs> in a very isolated place who masturbate <laughs> together and go crazy. And that would be the lighthouse. Fucking gold. It's gold. Seriously. Best movie of the year. No, Not even close. You know, and, and I'll tell you what. Think of think about this for a second. Robert Patterson started in Twilight, Team Edward, and he ends up in this via a wonderful uh, some runs at some really good films, you know, including David Cronenberg and that. But he is so far away from that now, and he is holding holding his own against Willem Dafoe at his most deranged. And Willem Dafoe is at, at his most deranged. What? Maybe not Antichrist deranged, but goddamn deranged, okay? What? Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? That one scene where basically it was... It oh, was what? 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 Yeah, what? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> Let's not let's not even get it, get it, get into the uh, uh, to the folk dancing, <laughs> and, and, and 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 of course you know there Chisulu makes an appearance, you know a mermaid, uh, all in their head. I cannot tell you how disturbing and yet how fucking funny this movie is. And you had people in this theater that didn't know how to react. And I swear to God, I've never left the theater with people going, I liked it, but I don't understand why. <laughs> I heard that three times from three different people. <laughs> it's really, really good. And I will say something. And if Willem Dafoe is not up for an Academy Award, I'm going to go to Price Waterhouse and, like, you know, hit somebody on the head. Seriously. There's too many this year. Same they with need Eddie, to same with Eddie Murphy needs to be up too. Yeah. Seriously. And it's so good. And Robert Eggers, the cinematography is just absolutely gorgeous, black and white. Uh, also, uh, the aspect, it was shot in a... Uh, in a silent film aspect. Um, uh, and the cinematography, everything about it, the location, just fantastic. Really, really good. And recommended. Highly. And do you have any other ones left, Nate, besides your number one? Uh, nope. Uh, Joker was my number two, so uh, you should go with your number two because I also have not seen your number two, So, and maybe Carl has, and you guys can talk about that a little bit. But uh, No, I, he hasn't no, either. Y'all slack. The only, com- the only comment I had about The Lighthouse was, uh, yeah, it's definitely on. My, I, I mentioned at the top of the show it was one of my 
four movies of the year that I didn't get to see that I really wanted to see. It looks amazing. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it looks, it looks, it looks amazing. And, uh, I even just from again from the trailer, I it looks like it was shot beautifully, and I I and uh, the the only thing I was gonna say is uh yeah uh yeah Robert Pattinson uh, Pattinson uh uh what what was the name of the Cronenberg movie that he was in? Uh, Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis, yes, yeah, he was amazing in that, and I. I thought that was his next step up from Twilight because uh, I was like, oh, "Wow, well, it was, I, it was." There's no question. Oh yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I can't, be- I can't believe the dude who played a vampire in Twilight can actually act, uh, you know. So, and uh, that he was really great in that, and so I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't deny uh, Carl saying that he's really good in this movie too. So. Um, yeah, the lighthouse is on my on my list, but I have not seen it. So, um, so, so go ahead, uh, Stephen, and tell us about uh, your number two. Well, about three or four weeks ago, Central Cinema put out a, a question that said, "Name the best film that you'd seen this year." And there's only one that, and I've seen stuff like Daniel Isn't Real and other great stuff there, but the best has to be Craig Zoller's third film, Dragged Across Concrete. This is a nasty, mean-spirited noir where there really isn't anyone to root for because they're all different level of sons of bitches. And this is set in a world where the evil thrives and the good gets swallowed up and spit out and pissed out on the concrete. And the title is basically how you feel emotionally after the damn movie's over. Like you've been dragged across concrete. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn play two cops who are caught using an excessive force against a black guy by leaving him handcuffed out on there. But they get videotaped doing it, so they end up getting suspended. And because Mel Gibson's daughter is on the verge of getting, well, she's being tormented by these black guys, it's pretty much unsaid that pretty soon they're going to rape her ass. So he wants to get her out of that neighborhood as quick as he can. So he goes to this uh, guy that he got off earlier, since he is a dirty cop, played by... Who's the guy that wanted to fuck gallbladders or something, Carl? Udo Kier. Yeah, Udo Kier. So him and Vince Vaughn end up getting caught up with these other guys who are main part of the film who are getting ready to do a diamond heist on a bank. And it just gets worse from here. This is one of those where just when you think things can't get any worse or bleak, they have a scene that basically slapped me and just basically shocked the hell out of me because I did not expect it coming. And Those this movie best, does man. not end the way you think it is. And you're going and by the end of it you're gonna be cursing at the screen at certain characters for the stupid decisions they make. 
Yeah, I, I, that, um, this is another one that was on my list of movies that I wanted to see. Uh, after we exchanged lists of our favorite movies of the year, I watched the trailer for it. It has an amazing cast, and uh, your description of it, uh, you know, the, the trailer does not do justice to your description of it. It it looks like a like a buddy cop movie where yeah you know like one cop is the old guy who's run down and yeah. and the yeah and the other cop is the the new you know yeah, yeah. um well they're oh, both racist you know. but Vince Vaughn is the kind of character I'm not racist I got a black girlfriend type of racist <laughs> right right. No, it looks really well, good though, and I, I, I would definitely, uh, it's definitely on yeah. my to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Carl, how many of uh, Craig Zoller's films have not been on my top ten list that he's directed? None of them. None of them. Yeah. Because Bone Tomahawk was definitely on there, and so was, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Crawl on Cell uh, Block Ninety Nine. Crawl on Cell Block. Yeah. The Crawl on Cell Block. I was thinking for some reason Assault on Precinct 13, but that's a whole different thing. Okay, never mind. There fights in Brawl and Cell Block 99, Nate, are so brutal that they even had me yelling at the screen, God damn, it made me hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saul is a good director. He's a solid director. And takes you to places you don't expect. I'll give you that, oh, no God, question. Yeah. Especially with Bone Tomahawk. Have you seen that one? Have you seen any of his movies, Nate? Oh, yeah. Bone Tomahawk? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah, seen that one. That more one than definitely once. takes a big left turn in the last 20 or so minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but then we got to get to me and Nate's number one, which I'm surprised isn't. Well, I know it's probably on your bottom part of your top ten, right, Carl? Um, which one are we talking about? Yeah, he doesn't know uh, what movie we're talking about yet. <laughs> oh. Well, it's a movie set in 1969, right at the cusp. Oh, okay, yeah, TV- that's on my bottom of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but where is it set? It's set on that cusp of time where uh, the old school is coming out and the new school is coming in with. uh, We did a whole show on this, didn't we, Carl? All of the films that came out in 1969 that changed the groove. Uh, There was Medium Cool, uh, Easy Rider. what was some of the other ones that came out in 69, Carl? Well, 68, 69. Uh, yeah. Easy Rider, Medium Cool. Uh, I'd have to look. I, I do research. But, yeah, there was a big change there. And this is set with uh, two guys played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt who want to change, but they don't know how to change or can they change. And that's really the focus of the movie, not the last 20 minutes, and that is Quentin Tarantino's nice film and the best film of the freaking year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Yeehaw. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely my favorite film of the year, but you guys both know that uh, Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director, so, I mean, I, you know, I'll watch anything that he puts out, but uh, even this one caught me by this one blindsided me because I was like, you know, you know, his last few movies like glorious bastard and the hateful eight and Django unchained. I was like, yeah, these are good movies, but they're not really in my wheelhouse. You know, I love Tarantino, but I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But can we get back to like reservoir dogs and Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown and, and that stuff, and and all of a sudden, boom, once upon a time in Hollywood, and holy shit, did he blow my mind with that one. Like, the 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 cast, the the direction, the uh the execution, uh, you know, it it's got it's got again, this is like the Irishman. If this is I know Tarantino keeps saying he's gonna make ten films and then walk away. But if he walks away after this one, he's walking out at the top of his game. Like everything, the costuming, the the set design, uh, it, 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 it this was just like this was far and away the best movie I saw all year, and I I can't I can't say enough good things about it. It was brilliant. Well, let's just say going to Spotify, they gave out your list of my list of most listened to stuff on 2019, and the top 20 is the fucking soundtrack, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know, Tarantino. Go ahead. Oh, well, Tarantino's always known for his soundtracks, but yeah, he nailed it again, you know, uh, just, but uh, I don't know, like, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie, like, uh, it, it it's definitely the best thing I saw all year, you know, like, uh, like I said, every single aspect was so, it was so tight, it's like, every little thing. Every time you watch that movie, we, you, you know, you were talking before about, um, like in Joker, like driving past marquees and showing the movies that were playing and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, they, there's a lot of that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, when I was watching it, uh, with my girl, she was, saying, you know, where did they get all these old cars from? Did they did they raid Jay Leno's garage? Like, wh- where the heck? Like, you know, it, it's just such it's such an amazing period piece. It, like, there's no two ways about it. It's just amazing. And it, you know, everyone keeps talking about it like it's a Charles Manson Manson family, you know, movie, but it it's not. Like you said before, that's not what it's about. It has very little to do with that. It's way more about, yeah, two, you know, an actor and a stuntman who are trying to find their way in a new world. And Tarantino brilliantly uses the the Manson family and their murders as a way to show, like, this is what, you know, this is where we're at. 
like we're at the end of an era, you know, you're, you guys are struggling to try to find a new way to make it as actors and stuntmen, but guess what? There's a whole new world coming right around the corner and you're not going to be for that either. (laughs) And I will say in all my years of podcasting, the scene where the Lancer scene with Leonardo DiCaprio describes how I feel between a good and a bad podcast. If I pull out a bad show, and Carl knows this, I'm like, Goddamn motherfucker doing that stupid shit. What the fuck were you thinking, you kid? <laughs> I've heard you that many, many like times. Basically, really directed bad. at me. <laughs> yeah. And then when it's a good one, it's Rick fucking Dalton, baby. <laughs> <laughs> It it just captures those two extremes so perfectly. Why the hell do you have to drink all them goddamn whiskey sours? You don't even fucking like whiskey sours. Okay, now now I gotta say a couple things, okay? Since you guys been going, now it's a good film, but we haven't even mentioned the best damn actor in the film. The fucking dog. Oh, she's my female actor of the year. She's fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, she just steals well, that whole credit movie. Where credit is due, okay? The dog yeah, deserves Brandy. credit. Brandy. <laughs> I mean, I love that at the end, at the at the last 20 minutes, spoiler if you haven't seen it, where the Manson family bust into his house, and they're just standing there, and Brandy's looking at him like, Dad, can I kill him yet? Please let me kill him, Dad. Come on, I gotta kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now, if I can go on for a couple minutes. Uh, yeah, you the should. The film is good, okay? You know, everything, but to me, you know, what you're talking about, the end of an era and that, to me, there's a better film about that. And, and and I just want to mention it very briefly is is inherent vice. I think captures the same thing, and it also is at the same time as the Mansons, though not mentioned too much. They're not part of the plot, but it's but you know that sense of time. And we talked about this in that one podcast uh, where 1969, 1970, and how it all went wrong. Let's not forget. Not only was it the Mansons, it was Aldermont. It was, you know, uh, it was Kent State the year after. It was all these things that just brought down the whole idea and we could have peace and love. And 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 they do bring that out in, in, in uh, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But also I would suggest very strongly to check out Inherent Vice with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, uh, based on a Thomas Pinchon novel. But inherent vice that one takes too the... has a lot of things in in, in common. So I yeah, just but inherent vice takes place in seventy two, seventy three. No, nineteen seventy, my friend. No, seventy two, seventy three. Because uh, wait, let me finish. Because it has Jonathan Frid in it after Dark Shadows is canceled, and he's already right, done. But the that's movie. in the novel. That's in the novel, and if you notice, right. they were canceled in 1970. Right. 1970. But the movies came out in 71 and 72. Yeah, but the, but the 
the TV show was canceled in 70. Yeah, but he talks about how shitty the movies are in the book. No, he talks about being canceled from TV in the novel, not in the movie. Yeah. Boys, don't yeah, make both me of those are bookends. Don't make me separate you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one, and I'm a stuntman junkie. Carl knows that. I mean, one of the oh, first guests God. we had was a Gary Clark, and Carl and uh, our used to be producer had to shut me and Gary down because we spent like 20 minutes just rambling off about. And it was a special uh, show about my friend, yeah. Steven! Steven! The point is, is that Brad Pitt's character is a mix of Gary Kent and the guy Hal Needham. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, yeah. Yep. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is based on Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I think uh, I think if uh, I've read some articles online that uh, Tarantino originally wanted Burt Reynolds to play a part in that movie, but he was yeah, he passed away and Bruce Dern came in. Yeah, and Bruce, yeah, that's right. Bruce Dern played the part that uh, that Burt Reynolds was. Uh, was scheduled to play, yeah. And Bruce Stern was great. Do you understand that I'm trying to fucking sleep? Because if I don't fucking sleep, I'll fall a fucking sleep during the fucking show that she wants me to fucking watch with her every fucking week. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that uh, I have a feeling that that's uh, what uh, Stephen's mom says. Uh, every morning when he tries to wake her up. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I need to sleep. I'm not going to be able to watch the fucking show that you want me to watch tonight. Yeah. But the sad <laughs> thing is, is that how many people got pissed off on the Bruce Lee scene? Why? Oh, good God. Give me a break. You know, it yeah, is once was... upon a time in Hollywood... It's not real. Number mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make that how, point. How people start anything with once upon a time thinking, oh, well, this is a true story. <laughs> yeah. Well, mostly it's Bruce Lee's daughter who's made a living out, out of being Bruce Lee's daughter. That's been her whole banking thing. Yeah, but I think... I do love uh, that China says, that China went, cut out the fucking Bruce Lee scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we won't play your film. Tarantino. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> okay. Oh, but uh, did you did you play my film Kill Bill, where, uh, where a white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes uh, slashed the heads off a bunch of Asian men? Oh, you did. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, for, I love the fact that the last third of the movie is narrated by Kurt Russell. Yeah, I I actually did not even pick up on that. I, I, I went to see the movie in the theater, 
And again, you guys know I'm a huge Tarantino fan. So yeah. I, I went by myself to see it uh, on opening day in the afternoon when I got out of work. I loved it so much that I went back out, bought a second ticket, and went right back in and watched it a second time. It wasn't until I bought it on DVD a week ago and watched it with my girl that she was the one who was like, oh, that's totally Kurt Russell doing the narration. <laughs> I I oh, never picked up on I it. I told Carl this. Do you know what the theater is that Sharon Tate points at and goes, oh, is that the porno theater? Yeah. <laughs> That's the new Beverly. The, the theater she's pointing yeah. at was the new Beverly. Yeah, right. the new oh, Beverly. Okay. Yeah, the theater that Tarantino owns. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I, oh, just, I picked up. I don't. Carl didn't like it, but I just loved. And Vicky loved it too. Me and her talked extensively about this, Carl. How much we just loved all of the scenes that just showed. Brad Pitt just cruising around fucking L.A. with the radio playing. Oh, I thought that was great, too. Don't kid yourself. I like the film. I, yeah. I, I just not in my top five. And I do love it when he picked up that one girl. That's something you wouldn't see in most movies, would it? Right. When she's like, how would you like your dick sucked? In most movies, he'd be like, well, all right. And this one, <laughs> can I see your ID there, honey? <laughs> right. Well, why you got to right, my ID yeah. for? He's like, well, I'm just making sure you're 18. There's a lot of people who won't put me in jail for a lot of things, and I ain't going down for a little poon tang. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, again, I, to reiterate for the ninth time in this uh, podcast, uh, you guys know Tarantino's my favorite director, and a big part of it is the dialogue. Like, Nate, he who writes is your favorite dialogue. director again? I mean, really, who is it? <laughs> uh, uh, I, I can't remember. Uh, uh, I think it's Quint, Quint, Quintin. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't pronounce the name. <laughs> no, but he, he does. He, he does write the best dialogue. Yeah, he, he's but great. I do yeah, love it. Out of all nine of his Quentin Tarantino of his films, besides uh, Jackie Brown, which was an Elmore Leonard one, this is the least Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, he definitely like stepped outside of his wheelhouse and and uh, tried some tried some new tricks. But I mean, again. He killed it. It was my favorite movie of the year, so there you go. It was my favorite, too, as soon as I seen it. Yeah, like I said, I watched it twice in one day, and then as soon as it came out on Blu-ray, I went and bought a copy of it. So, and Well, I bought I watched, my copy I've at Walmart because the Best Buy Steelbook was sold out, which pissed me off. Right. Oh, it has brandy on the back of it, Carl. Oh damn! Yeah, and of course Amazon has a seventy-five dollar Blu-ray set, which has its own little Mad magazine, a forty-five single. Oh, I I have a copy of the Mad magazine. I I got that separately. Uh, as a they did a retro 
uh, Mad Magazine did a retro version that had the cover uh, of Rick Dalton and yeah, all of the... Yeah, how the hell did you get a bat? How did I get it? Yeah. I'm Nate Bradford, baby. I get what I want. Damn. Usually <laughs> that's about a $75 uh, edition to get that bad boy. No, it, it's pretty cool. It, not only does it have the Rick Dalton cover, but all of the stuff inside is from uh, is from the era. It's it's all, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's just bullshit reprints from uh from the, you know, 1960s and 70s, but Carl? it's still yes. super cool. Carl, stand down. Stand down. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to stand down. I'm already plotting. <laughs> no, I'm just talking I'm about when you said bullshit from era. Carl's like, motherfucker, the 60s and 70s was my favorite fucking era of Bad Magazine. <laughs> yeah, they were, too. No, I... I I love it too. I I I'm not I'm not I'm not uh I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying that that's all they did was put, they put the the Rick Dalton cover on a Mad magazine no, and, 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 and three prints. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. yeah, just threw a I bunch had of a bowls. subscription in the sixties to that yeah. magazine. I had, a, I had a subscription in the eighties. Uh, oh. And and we're not that far apart in age, so uh, you know. Oh yes, we are. Hey. Yeah, Carl's hey, the old man. He's sixty-two. Yeah, I'll be um, sixty-two in less than two weeks. Yeah, I, I'm forty-five. So there was there was probably That's seventeen a time years, my friend. That's a generation, basically. Yeah. <laughs> There are times that 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 our Mad Magazine subscriptions probably overlapped. Yeah. No, probably okay. not because mine was from now, about sixty-five to sixty-nine. To uh, wrap it up, and I love this because I know what Carl's going to answer. What was your worst film of the year that you've seen? Well, well, okay. I'm going to say two things. Okay. I'm going to say uh, first before the worst movie. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, one of my runners up of my top five. And that was uh-huh. a film that I actually saw here in New York at its premiere. A friend of mine directed it, a micro budget film called Overwhelm the Sky. Very interesting film, rather long, uh, three and a half hours. It has an overture and an entract. Um, but the interesting, the one thing I do want to say about it for a film that was done on no budget at all, has some of the best cin- black and white cinematography I've ever seen. And Dan Kramer did a wonderful job. Though it's certainly not in my, my top tier. I think Dan still in, in editing and not editing so much, but uh, screenplay. It was a decent film. Now, as far as worst film, I was just thinking about this, right? <laughs> you would think it would be Hellboy, which I actually kind of like. No, my worst film that I did see, and I hate to admit it, is Men in Blank, Black International. Ooh. <laughs> Not good. Are, are Not we good. really winding? Are we really winding down? Like, don't we have another half hour? Oh, well, we can talk. No, I think we got this covered. Yeah. 
We can talk a little bit. If you want to go, Carl, you can now that you said your worst. Mine well, well let me hear what your worst is, and then I'm going to hit the road. Yeah, okay? my title one is, uh, what the hell is that one with uh, Matthew McConaughey that come out the first, first of the year? I don't know, but I want to see that one. Jesus. Here, I'll, I'll find Christ. it for you. Hold on. Hold on. I'll get you the title here Carl, in a second. The one that had, uh, uh, I forget her name, but Max McConaughey, and he plays like the ship captain whose ex wife comes back to him to help, and she asks him to help kill her husband. Right, right, right. Um, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting you the yeah, title right now. Give me a second. Okay. Give me a second. Yeah. I remember uh, the movie that, that would be Serenity. Serenity. And guess what the plot twist is, mate? I, I, I do not want to venture a guess. <laughs> it's a fucking video game that a little boy is watching. <laughs> So he can learn how to fucking kill his abusive stepfather. The end of the fucking movie is the little boy grabbing a knife and heading into his my parents' bedroom. Nice. Sounds like just the type of movie I would want to waste an hour and a half of my life watching. It's like, what the fuck? What the what the fuck did this come from? Uh, just just for 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 sake of saying this, we have not yet seen cats. Well, I'm enjoying the reviews more than I probably ever will in the movies. The reviews are fucking beautiful, don't you think, Nate? Oh my god. I I think I think it's gonna be uh I think it's gonna be something that we're gonna have to do an entire Two hour <laughs> podcast about once we oh, all no, watch, watch it. cats. That that will probably be for next Thanksgiving. And Carl will be like, <laughs> no. I, I I think we're gonna have to live. I think we're gonna have to watch it live and comment. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> because I think my favorite from a cat's review so far is that the movie's too horny for its own good. <laughs> too horny for <laughs> No, and, and none of them have assholes either. So how do they take a shit? That was one of the yeah. lines in the review. I hope I hope both of those quotes are on the back of the DVD. <laughs> too horny for its own good. Steven. They don't yeah, even have assholes. How do they take a best, shit? Carl? Best shown at a furry convention. <laughs> oh God, yeah. This one's going to be shown with Animal Olympics. I've had my quote, which I hope they put on there, the only musical of the past decade to require a jizz mopper in the theater. <laughs> you don't understand how creepy and intense furries are. Uh, no, I totally understand how creepy furries are. Uh, Paul, but, if, hey. we had a, if I had a movie theater, this is true. I would put plastic on the floor, and I would host furry-only screenings of cats. And God, would I clean up. So he's going through this, Nate, with me in the morning as I'm having my coffee yesterday. In the morning. And, you know, like... 
Stephen, no, I don't want to talk about furries and, and plastic <laughs> and shit right now. Yeah. All right, well, if we still have time, uh, yeah, kill. we're gonna talk. Me and you will talk. See you, Carl. No, 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 no. tell me what your worst is, Nate. I haven't heard what your worst movie is. Yeah, yet. what's your worst, Nate? Uh, I really wanted to like it, but Three from Hell did not do it for me. I love the first half of it, but once they got to Mexico, what the? It was like two movies, one decent one and one fucking horrible one. Yeah, I did. It did not do it for me. I was. I really wanted to like it because I liked the first two, and I really, I was really amped up for it, like weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of time. But yeah, I don't know. It just, just didn't do it for me. It fell flat, and Sid I feel bad. Sid Haig's was great. Sid Haig was great in the three minutes he was in it. I love the fact that he made the, yeah, he made that actor literally want to shit his pants. Yeah, I don't doubt it. No, he's, uh, that's, that's the thing too. It's like Sid Haig is like my favorite part of those, of, of those movies. And yeah, he wasn't in it for long and unfortunately passed away right after, so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got a new movie out. He does. He's got a new movie out. Hanukkah. He, yeah, he does have a new movie out. I saw that today online. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he said, uh, you know, when I read the uh, article about him passing away, he said that he had told Rob Zombie, "Oh, I know this is going to be my last movie, but." Obviously, it's not going to be his last movie because he had no, another one in the chain. Yeah, Hanukkah was shot before. Got it out that damn quick. Yeah, right. They're like, "Hey, let's capitalize on a famous person's death." No, Rob, he was a crank it out that quick. I think he had thirty-one and uh, three from hell written, shot, cut, and out, and under. Maybe nine months together. Yeah, right. Just adding the time that they were both in production. All yeah. right, guys, listen, I'm going to head out, all right? So we'll see you guys okay. later. Really nice time. Thanks, guys. Okay. All right. Thanks, Carl. It was fun. Absolutely, Nate. Hope, hope to hear from you again here soon. Uh, all right, guys. Good night. Yeah. Cool. Well, now he's gone getting back there. Did you notice what the name of the club, what comedy club was in Joker? Uh, no. Club Pogo. What does that have to do with oh. anything? Club Pogo. I mean, Pogo like the comic strip from the 50s? No, Pogo or... like Pogo the Clown. Oh, Who Pogo was? The clown, like like yeah. John Wayne Gates. Gacy. Yeah. yeah, it was a John Wayne Gacy joke. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I uh, couldn't see. Go ahead. Oh, no. If you had some more to say about that, go ahead. 
I couldn't see any comic watching Joker and not be emotionally devastated by the time it was over. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I was. <laughs> uh, so we talked about uh, the movies that we missed out on, and we talked about our favorite movies. What movies did you see this year that uh, that you liked a lot but you want to see again? Oh, uh, Daniel Isn't Missing. God, that one is good. Oh, yeah, Daniel Isn't Real? Yeah, Daniel Isn't Real. Yeah, I have not seen that. That's on my, uh, that's on my missed list. Uh, well, it just came I, I out, I think, on uh, uh, VOD about two or three weeks ago. Right. Uh, and there's Tone Deaf, which is great. It's what? Tone Deaf. Oh, yeah. Imagine uh, a baby, a psychotic baby boomer versus a millennial in a battle to the death. <laughs> All right. I, I, can, <laughs> I, can get, I can get down with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's by Ricky Bates So it's dark as hell <laughs> Yeah I've, I've only seen the, the trailers for it But it's definitely intriguing And it looks like it's disturbing Yeah Oh it's disturbing and dark as hell You need to see any of his movies man Trash Fire uh, uh, Suburban Gothic Incision. But watch out for trash think, fire. It it bites. Yeah. Um. My number one movie that I saw this year that I that I need to see again was Knives Out. Did you see that? Oh no, I want to see that. I'm a sucker for the Agatha Christie style mystery slash movies. Yeah, yeah. It was it's. It's a really good movie, and it has a great cast, obviously. You've seen the trailers. Um, I just, uh, I like, it, the plot is so twisty that I just really feel like I need to see it again because I I don't think I caught everything that happened. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's definitely one I'll be watching again. Uh but yeah, I would highly recommend it. And and you're right. It's like an Agatha Christie style um uh you know, mystery and it's a, it's like a uh what do they call it? You know, like it, it it all takes place in one one room. What do they call those like closed setting room mysteries? Kind of kind of stuff like that. Like it all takes place in one mansion that and everyone yeah. is all in, you know, all and in Daniel the same Craig room. with a southern accent. Yeah, and, and he and he pulls it off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, everyone in the movie was great. It was really good. So, yeah, that that was mine. Uh, you got one that you saw this year that you want to see again? Yeah, Rocket Man. Oh, Rocket Man! I did not see that, but I it. It's on my to-do list for sure. Uh, 
Are you a big uh, Elton John fan, or are you just were interested in the movie itself? I love the movie itself. Imagine Elton John's biopic as directed by Ken Russell. Oh, oh now you've uh, piqued my interest. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, it is definitely yeah. in the vein of Ken, Uncle Ken Russell. I mean, nice. for the first half of the film, it shows him like in a costume. And slowly, as he's telling the story, the costume just starts falling apart. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I wanted I wanted to see that, but uh, uh, the where I live right now, the closest movie theater doesn't really show. Uh, it, it just usually shows the blockbuster movies. There are there's a movie theater an hour south from me and a movie theater half an hour north from me well, that show... Well, if I want to see a movie, period, on the big screen, i got to go a fucking hour. So the fact that I've seen Joker, Rocketman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the big screen, and uh, Dragged Across Concrete means that I had to fucking find a way to get a fucking tribe for a fucking hour to see <laughs> Well, that's... That's why you do what you do, brother. I mean, you're, you know, you, you're dedicated to the craft. Yeah. I, there I mean, isn't a Tarantino I film I haven't seen in its first week out. No, me neither. Hey, I'll tell you a funny story about uh, uh, Jackie Brown came out on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, back then I lived near near a movie theater so I didn't have to drive so far as I have to drive now to see a movie and uh I went I I went to see Jackie Brown I took her I took a date with me and uh she did she she uh underestimated how much of a Tarantino fan I was so we were the only two in the theater and uh she tried to give me a hand job and I was like hey hey babe Hey, I'm watching the Tarantino movie here. <laughs> when I went to see it, there was like four people there, and two of them walked out after the second uh, rep, the second repetition of the high scene in the mall. Right. Yeah, they were like they walked uh, out and as they were leaving. They said, "Well, fuck this." And I yell at them, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so the second movie that I saw this year that I need to see again uh, was uh, Jordan Peele's follow-up, uh, Us. Did, did you see Us? Yeah, as soon as Hands Across America Came on, I'm like, oh, fuck you, Jordan Peele. Go fuck yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> Hands across America, my ass. Get the... That didn't do it for you? <laughs> no. It was decent, but... It's what I call a one-trick pony. All of its secrets, all of its layers are pretty much... Given up in its first showing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I I'm I love like Key and Peele. I love their comedy. 
uh, obviously, you know, as a comedian, they're big influences yeah. on me. But, but yeah, I don't know if I, that's why I want to watch it again. That's what I'm saying. Because I don't know if us was really as good as his first flick, you know. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. What was his Get first out. movie? Get Out. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, good. Get I out liked was, it. I like Get, Get Out, out better good. than Us, but... Oh, for sure. He's, yeah, he's for supposedly sure. the black savior of horror. Oh, and that's another film that I've seen this year that I fucking hated. Uh, horror Noir, that documentary about uh, black horror. Yeah, uh, I actually just uh, added that to my watch list today, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, that it's, is it all about uh, black horror directors or is it all, all about it's black, just black horror? It's black horror, period. As soon as yeah, they called so movies like Blackula and J.D.'s Revenge trash, I was like, oh, fuck you. Oh, yeah, no, if, if they're talking trash about Blackula, I don't, yeah, I'm done with you. <laughs> I mean, it's I like, mean, yeah, you really haven't watched, you know. Yeah. No. The best part uh, of the movie is, what's his name? We directed Demon Knight and Bones, Ernest uh, Dickerson. Yeah, yep, yep. Talking horror with uh, Rusty Cundies. Yeah. I don't, like, I'm not really a fan of either one of those movies, but, I mean, uh, it's the same thing, like, you know, I feel, uh, I feel bad about it, but I'm not really a fan of, uh, uh, what's, what's that, uh, what's that all-black horror movie with Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, from the 90s, uh, Bones. What the heck? Is it, is it Bones? Yeah. Oh. No. That movie's good, but like I said, I liked it better when it was called J.D.'s Revenge and had Glenn Terman but, in it. Exactly. Exactly. I want to see, like, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess my point is I like black exploitation more, more than I like uh, just, like, you know, horror films that predominantly feature black people. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I do love Tales from the Hood. No, Tales from the Hood. That's the movie I was thinking of. Tales from the Hood. I do not like... Oh, no, that's the one with Clarence Williams, the third is the devil. I love that shit. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Do not like Tales from the Hood. That's the movie I was trying to think of. Nope. I do not like Tales from the Hood. (laughs) Nope. Well, I had a unique experience when I seen it. I was the only white. It was a sold-out showing, and I was the only white boy in the theater. <laughs> well, I, okay. Well, I can see why you better like it. <laughs> no, I just liked it, period, especially Clarence Williams third. I Most of the stories, I'm like, come on, man, let's get back to Clarence Williams and the third talking about shit. 
No, I, that's the thing. I like everyone that was in it. I just didn't like the movie itself. I, I've tried to sit through it twice, and I'm just like, It's eh. anthology, man. Anthologies are yeah. always, you got to go in knowing that you're going to get good and bad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, of course. You know, we both know that. Yeah, you watch an anthology movie. Yeah, yeah for every creep show that you get, yeah, you're going to get it. Yeah, Tales from, or, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. For every you creep show creep. you get, you're going to get a creep show, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> For every creep show, you're going to get a creep show, too. All right, the third movie from this year that I watched that uh, I really liked, but I need to watch again, uh, The Highwaymen. Did you watch that? No, I'm I'm meaning to, but yeah, yeah, it's really good. It has Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson, and uh, it's about the story of the detectives who took down Bonnie and Clyde. The Texas Rangers that uh, uh, took out Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. It's it's a really good movie. the, that one I talked about, the, the Henry Lucas movie about the Confessor, you're going to fucking hate the Texas Rangers. I mean, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you live in the South, so, uh, I mean, that that's your business. I, I, I live up North. The Texas Rangers ain't, ain't, ain't messing yeah. with me. <laughs> oh, there uh, were some people up North, I mean... Just like you watch the documentary, you'll see how screwed up it was. But yeah, the movie I no. think that I've seen the most this year new is probably I've seen Dolomite as my name three times. Yeah, yeah. Well, it ended up on both of our uh, favorites list. I thought it was pretty yeah. funny that that you and I, uh, you know, our our uh, our list of favorites was really really close. Yeah, um, the a couple other movies that almost made my list: uh, Extremely Wicked, uh, Evil and Vile, uh, the be about Ted Bundy. Uh, that that was one that was like a a close runner up. Um, and Avengers Endgame, which I know is controversial because a lot of people hate superhero movies, but I don't know. Oh, it was good, I just, but I, I like the setup more than I did the end game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The last movie was better than Endgame. Yeah, I watched but, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. I about three or four times and I loved it. I'm like, I can't wait for the next one and the next one happened, I'm like this book eh. <laughs> Yeah. It was it was kinda rough. I mean, especially I mean, come on man. Anytime a movie has to rely on time travel to 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 tell its story, you're just like, All right, enough is enough, man. Like well, yeah, yeah, unless it's Bill and Ted, yeah. Especially the speaking second. of which. Yeah, speaking of which, are you, are you looking forward to the uh, the new Bill and Ted movie? 
William Sanderson's back is death, so yes. Yeah, right? Uh, he was the best part of... They call it Bogus Journey, but I prefer to keep it as his original title. Bill and Ted go to hell. Yeah, I know. Yeah, why did... I, yeah, why did they change it from Go to Hell to Bogus Journey? Like, because they wanted to. Uh, I think they just wanted to be able to shell it to, uh, you know, kids. Yeah, probably. they even tried to hide how dark it was in the fucking trailer. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Well, that's what I was saying before. Like some, like some of the movies we were talking about before. I. I was just like, I don't know, man. Some of these movies were really dark, but you didn't see that in the trailers, you know? So. Oh, the Joker ones, yeah. It didn't show how dark the damn... Well, the jo- no, the Joker's trailers didn't bullshit. I mean, they focused on that one little bit. You keep asking every time I come here, do I have negative thoughts? All I have is negative thoughts. Oh, I wanted to mention that when we were talking about uh, Joker earlier, too. Uh, yeah. that, uh, Saturday Night Live did a hilarious sketch uh, uh, about Oscar the Grouch, about the origins of Oscar the Grouch. If you yeah. haven't seen that, yeah, if you haven't seen that, go on YouTube and look for it. Um, it has, uh, oh, David, I can't remember his last name, uh, from from uh stranger things the guy who plays the sheriff on stranger things uh, but definitely watch that it is a brilliant spoof of the joker trailer but it's him uh describing how he became oscar the grouch <laughs> oh and speaking of i call serenity my worst let me tell you my two and three to really show you how bad serenity is number two is moquisha you know that yeah. one? Oh, my no. God. A white man playing to be a black woman on radio. The movie that makes Soul Man less racist. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I were joking. But it actually has one scene where the guy goes and he's white. And he says straight face and on sincerely. I wish I was a black woman. I'd have it so much easier in this world. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> like, oh, my God, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> uh. Well, it looks like and, we're winding down. I think yeah, we only have a few down. more. This has been a hell of a year, and it was nice having you on again, but... The ones I'm really looking forward to real quick next year are probably the Bill and Ted. Hopefully it turns out good. Uh, Death on the Nile. Oh, God, I can't wait. I hope it's as good as uh, Branna's Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have any movies that I'm looking forward to particularly, but... Uh... Yeah, I've been well, watching what a I'm lot of things next month. I can't wait to see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've been looking forward to a lot of uh TV shows this year. I've been uh yeah. as Carl said earlier, you know, 
I'm trying to save some money to uh, so I can move. Uh, like I said, I've got a, a house and an apartment, so I'm trying to save some money to move. And uh, I've been watching a lot of TV shows. And uh, just heads up for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, Mindhunter on Netflix is one of the best shows I've seen all year. There's yeah. two seasons now. Yeah. Directed by David Fincher, who everyone knows from uh, Seven and Fight Club. That is one of the most amazing TV shows that I've seen all year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, the last couple of years. And, oh, uh, and the James Nick Bond was, looks good. The new James Bond. The what? The oh, new James, James Bond, Bond film looks good. And uh, the Knicks are still my favorite basketball team, even though they've lost all ten of their games this year. (laughs) And don't forget, people, Richard Stanley and Nicolas Cage in the Colorado space coming to VOD, or if you're in Knoxville, they're selling tickets now on the 24th of next month. We have the Colorado space. God, I cannot wait to see this. Richard Stanley doing fucking H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, that I I'm excited for that one too. That is definitely on the top of my list. I I can't like how why did it take so long for us to finally get uh like a I mean we've had Lovecraft adaptions in the past with Reanimator and and. Uh, uh, not, but those have been more campy. This one looks like it's going to be a real hardcore reanimator. Uh, uh, reanimator. This will uh, be a hardcore like. Uh, am I on drugs or is this just a movie like Mandy? Yeah, exactly. We've seen Dagon and Reanimator and all that stuff, but yeah. this one looks like. It's going to be a real hardcore, like Lovecraft adaption. So yeah. that's great. And if we so live in your area, where can we go see you perform your art? Uh, I live in Augusta, Maine, but I do stand-up comedy everywhere from New York City to Bangor, Maine. So if you want to come see. Uh, I have gigs coming up this weekend uh, in, uh, let's see, let me check my calendar real quick before we go off the air. Uh, I have, uh, coming up this weekend, I have Auburn, Maine at Craft Brew Underground, and uh, that's on the 20th, that's Friday, and then on the 21st, I have a show at Birchwood Brewing, so... If you want to come see me tell some jokes uh, and try to make you laugh, that's where I'll be the next two days. And try not to laugh at the crap brew prices. (laughs) Yeah, try not to laugh at the crap brew prices because it's kind of expensive. And thank you for being on, and we'll see you Sunday, everybody, when we do our annual Christmas special and do a live watch of Code Name Santa Claus, or Dial Code Santa Claus, a.k.a. Deadly Games. 
The movie that Home Alone wishes it was. <laughs> All right. I'm signing off. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you Good soon. Good night. Good night, everybody. Woo.